all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations to all my fellow Skywatchers, or as our intergalactic listeners call the show, Flappity Zuppity and the other guy. But once again, thank you all for being here with us, broadcasting live on this beautiful, amazing evening of January 23rd, 2018. Of course, we're broadcasting live from New Logic Studios in Miami, Florida, traveling via the sound waves, aimed for your ears to project realism, radio for the masses. This is Skywatchers Radio. I am Angel Espino. With me, as always, is my radio hetero life mate, the one and the only, the very toit, Alan Weiler. Alan, how the hell are you feeling over there? A little under the weather, but, you know, these things happen. But I am here to perform for you, but not jump through hoops. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No dirty minds out there. He's not here to perform for me like that. No, 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 no. I don't do that for men. No, no. Pass, no. But I thanks for some, suggesting it. Yeah, I really yeah, appreciate that. I don't want our listeners out there listening in and being like, wait a second, what's he talking about? Performing for what? For who? Anyway? No. What? 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 No. No. Right, no. What do you mean? No. But uh, welcome, everybody. We have a, a fantastic show for you tonight. I know I say that all the time. Sometimes I mean it. Sometimes I don't. Uh, Liar! Sometimes it's truth. Sometimes it's not. But tonight, I, I guarantee you're going to have a good time. We have a fantastic guest. In fact, he's somebody that I've wanted to interview for a, a, a very long, long time. Uh, and I'm excited to have him on with us, uh, uh, other guy. Uh, his name is David Sarita. He's been around in the world of ufology for uh, a few decades now. You know, time passes, unfortunately, and, uh, you know, years pass. But he's been around uh, doing more than just ufology. And we're going to talk to him about a whole lot of stuff, I'm sure. And uh, he's going to be with us during the second hour. And um, if you guys want to join in, open lines, as always, here on Skywatchers Radio. If you, if you want to call in, 786-245-8127 is our call-in number, so please do that. We're going to have Jesse Randolph uh, join us here in a couple minutes for some news update uh, updates. Uh, but other guy, you say uh, you were feeling a little bit under the weather. You and the girlfriend went out. You had a, a bite to eat somewhere. What happened? What did you eat? Where should we uh, stay away from? We had Mexican, because Mexican't. Well, would you have Taco Bell? No, 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 oh. no. Just a restaurant that's here in town, and, you know, I'm just like, uh, yeah, it just didn't agree with me tonight. You would have been better off going to Taco Bell, in other words. <laughs> maybe, maybe. You might be right, maybe. See, it's not always greener on the other side of the grass. Just saying. 
No, the guacamole was green on the other side of the grass. Yes, indeedy. Oh, the guacamole was greener on the other side of the lettuce. That's it. Either way, yeah. That sounded bad, yeah. That sounded bad. Hey, one guy that knows a whole lot about grass and uh, greenage is our good friend Jesse Randolph. And uh, again, he'll join us in in a few minutes here. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, UFO-related news. I'm pretty sure he's uh, aware of Mr. David Sarita and who he is. And uh, I wonder if you'd like to stick around and uh, join us uh, during the second hour because this is... That might be a nice thing. It, it's a it's a nice guest to have on. You know, David is a, a very well known person in ufology, oh, yeah. and uh, yeah. uh, somebody that I've actually been jonesing to have on for a long time. So uh, it's one of those things. As I'm leaving the uh, the show here in the next few weeks, months, uh, you know, it's cool to have at least uh, you know David to read on to kind of close out uh, and bookend my time here on Skywatchers Radio. And uh, to be able to, to share this uh, interview with you guys means a whole lot because, again, it's somebody I really wanted to get on the air. Yeah, a really and, good uh, guy to and talk to. Uh, by the way, again, with that, uh, I am, uh, as uh, you heard, leaving the show in a few months, uh, weeks, days perhaps. Uh, it all depends on you out there that might replace me in here. So if you're uh, listening in right now and you want to be a host on Skywatchers Radio, we have right now open tryouts. Other guy. Yep. Tell us a little I, bit about what we're looking for for you know your. We're fellows. looking for someone who could uh, speak well, speak very educatedly on the hey. UFO phenomena as well as some of the other topics. Well, we're trying to replace you, not do yep. better than you. So That's there, true. see, I'm trying to say nice things about you. Good man. Um, you know, we're looking for someone who, male or female, who can bounce back and forth with the sick and twisted humor that we have. Uh, as well as adjust themselves to cater to whoever we're interviewing for that uh, week. We'd love someone who's actually had some on-air experience prior, but we could train the right person if we need to. Indubitably. And uh, if you uh, just go back to our archives and listen in for a few weeks uh, of past shows, I think that's more than enough training to uh, get the hang of what we do here. Yeah. It's pretty simple. You know, we, we like to keep it light and fluffy. You know, we don't get too crazy and out of control. You know, we don't bash any of our guests. We're, we're nice and polite to everybody who's on. And uh, we just try to let them, you know, speak their story and, uh, you know, let you, the audience, uh, make up your own mind of what you heard. And, uh, you know, I think that's the best way to do radio. You know, you can always go extreme, and we've done uh, our fair share of uh, talk to folks who have gone extreme in this uh, field. And, uh, you know, it's, it's yeah, it, it's funny. It's amusing at the moment, yeah. And, and if you're if you're on the outside looking in, and uh, they're messing with somebody who is a clear uh, crazy nutty, and uh, like a, a Stan Romanek, for example, who we all could at this point say, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, he's full of it. But <laughs> you know, not everybody in ufology is crazy. And uh, the one thing I loved always about Art is uh, Art Bell is uh, the fact that he always allowed the audience to you know make up their own mind. And, uh, that's kind of what we do here, and we did that for the two or two and a half years. Uh, other guy. Three years, almost two years, that we were on Dark Matter with Art, and right. uh, you know that's a tradition we want to keep, you know, going forward with. So if you're listening in and you want to join the show and you want to join the fun and you want to be the other guy's uh, next of kin here, as I, I move on to uh, the next I phase need of a my new life, sidekick. I need a sidekick. He, he needs a new sidekick, like I need a new uh, thyroid, and uh, <laughs> that's pretty much. In up. other words, we're desperate. Yeah, so if you want to be that other person, uh, by all means, uh, you know, hit us up on uh, PSN's uh, main email account. That's info at PSN 
PSN-radio.com. You can hit us up there at PSN-radio.com. And actually, it's info, I'm sorry, info at PSN-radio.com. That's the main email, info, I-N-F-O, at PSN-radio.com. That's an easy, short, compact, yep. sweet. Yeah. So hit us up there. We'll uh, take any uh, and all uh, you know newcomers. It doesn't matter uh, if you have uh, a, you know audio uh, sample that you um, that you want to you know uh, have us hey, listen wonder- to. We'll hey, do that. Hey, got a question. I'm wondering if we should actually switch over to video uh, as we transition as well too. You think we should do that? That might be something in the works. We could we could look into definitely. I mean, uh, anything well, is possible. We'll the background with the big signage behind me. Um, I'll put on an alien mask or something. Nah, that's too much. Yeah, no, no, that's way too much. I already look scary enough as it is, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think that's going to work. And even now that I'm not going to be on the show anymore, it, it it plays better for video. Well, yeah, you should do sign language on the show in that case. That would be so, awesome. Yeah, that would. Or or you just type it up like you're doing subtitles because you can't talk. That would be actually really, really funny and cool. Yes, it would. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to get Jesse on here, but uh, it's not a long. Let's see if I can add him to this call. This uh, new Skype, guys, it's uh, it's still a pain in the ass. It really is. I'm still trying to figure it all out, man. So, other guy, uh, you want to kill some yeah. time here as I try to get Jesse on the Skype here? Because uh, sure. he's not calling. He's telling me, I'm ready! Well, I'll tell you, something interesting that I saw today on a YouTube video is that uh, we might be actually a little bit off on our 20 to 3 degree axis uh, angle change um, for the Earth's tilt. And that's one of the with some weathers. Wait, hold on. Repeat that last part again. Okay. Apparently, we actually, right now, because of things that have happened recently, uh, between earthquakes and other things, we aren't actually on a 23-degree axis tilt anymore. It's more like 24 or 25, and it's actually getting larger and larger. And that's actually one of the causes of some of the crazy weather and strange things that have been happening on the planet. Gotcha. Well, that definitely ex- explains my uh, irritable bowel movements uh, every once in a while. But, uh, Jesse, have you noticed any changes in your BMs due to this uh, crazy phenomenon that the other guy just explained here? Uh, that's a negative. That is an absolute negative. <laughs> Nothing of the sort. Nothing of the sort when it comes to your bowels. Well, thank you for sharing that. Although, I'm just getting over a cold. Oh, oh, well, shit happens on that, you know. <laughs> Literally. Now, I wonder, though, on a, on a serious take, I wonder if that has anything to do with the cold blast that we've been getting, because, my goodness. It... Actually, as a matter of fact, that is one of the issues. Uh, oh. That is just, uh, yeah, it's it's actually really fascinating. I'm going to put up a link for it in a second as soon as I find where I had left it. Hang on. I mean, let me tell you, this is it's pretty crazy. We had snow in Florida. Jesse, you know how crazy that is? Snow? In Florida? No, I didn't know that. I, I did not. It's a yeah. rarity. It's fantastic. Yeah. 
Well, it hasn't snowed in Florida since, like, 1963. That's how, like, rare 64 or something like that. Um, that's how rare it is. Now, it didn't cover, like, they didn't reach South Florida. You know, like, I didn't wake up and we were having a white snow for, you know, Christmas or anything. It wasn't, like, that Arctic blast. But uh, Tallahassee was covered in snow and parts of Jacksonville, you know, northern Florida. Uh, they had, uh, you know, heavy amount of snow, you know, fall, which that never happens. I mean, once you reach Florida, it's like the barrier of Florida usually keeps the snow out. I don't know why, but it never snows out here. Any part of Florida. I mean, maybe the very tip, tip, tip of Tallahassee, a little bit of snow once in a while, but, you know, it, the way it covered part of the, uh, the, uh, top of Florida was pretty amazing, uh, when it came to snow. Uh, Jesse, uh, what's new in the world of, uh, ufology in your neck of the woods? Well, in my neck of the woods, Portland, Oregon, it's raining cats Segway. and dogs. Well, there so you, you, go. Could, you couldn't see a UFO if it was right in front of you. Yeah. Uh, Lovely. Well, there's a lot going on, Angel, and it's a weird time, as you know, and most of the listeners. So uh, I'll try to be brief and to the point tonight. Um, first of all, if anyone is listening at the International UFO Congress, which is taking place right now, I believe, um, there's plenty of people probably buzzing around the biggest story in ufology for the past 50 plus years, which yeah, is yeah, I know that's me leaving the uh, the, the show. I know it's it's a crazy story. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's talking about it. Everybody is talking about this. It's true. It's true. You know, uh, there are people that are very upset all around the world. Um. Anyways. <laughs> Back to the news. Back to the real Not news. the fake news. Yeah, right. uh, yeah, the Congress is going on, and everybody's buzzing about this uh, story that was uh, from every single press outlet in the uh, in the world, really. Every major one that m- had meaning, that has meaning. Uh, this footage that had been released right before the holidays and what people have been hailing as disclosure. Uh, your buddy Grant Cameron, Angel... Uh, right off the yep. bat, is still yep. saying disclosure day 27. I mean, he just keeps going with this, and guys like uh, different radio hosts that you love or like or hate are running with this, and I think that they're off base, and they've jumped the mm-hmm. gun in, in a hideous way. So uh, real quick, I wanted to touch upon what the alternative folks uh, within our community the ufo community are talking about what this really may have been and what it might be and then we can talk about where it's going right now so real quick um folks like dark journalist uh linda malton howe even doing a pretty damn good job of trying to say hey what is this there's been no follow-up both from the tom DeLong group in fact tom DeLong has gone pretty silent on the entire subject uh yep. since the holidays Yep. So people again are frustrated. People are mm-hmm. upset. Some people are already starting to say that he's been silenced. Um, if you go on the to mm-hmm. the Stars Academy website, if you look at the Twitters, they're very confusing. One Twitter will be about a Tom DeLonge poetry reading uh, or a, uh, a children's book reading or some coffee mugs that you can buy of his new band. And then the next story will be about uh, – Luis uh, uh, Lissandro uh, talking about releasing uh, more footage of extraterrestrial crafts via F-18s. So it's, it's very c- confusing to not only the world, what to the Stars Academy is trying to 
say and do, but it's also really disappointing to the people in our community here because uh, it, it, it just smells bad. It, it, it doesn't feel right. It's right. strange. It's a mixture of this you know, pseudo kind of commercial pop punk kid that's real silly acting uh, and strange uh, alternative kid. Uh, and then these people, these CIA sort of deep state quasi folks that nobody really wants to trust at all and probably shouldn't. So very strange. But here's what people are probably hopefully starting to talk about at this conference if you were there is the following. Uh, to this date, since the footage has been released – now keep in mind there were, I believe, two separate videos from two different locations. One was aboard a, an aircraft – two different aircraft characters, I believe. But one was uh, both via these F-18s, these fighter pilots who came forward to say that, yes, this is what they saw. They don't know what the hell it is, and um, it's like nothing they've ever seen. Therefore, it must be extraterrestrial. Got a question for you. Yes. Is, isn't isn't the International UFO Congress actually February 14th through 18th? I don't know. I thought it was January. I might have uh, I might have mixed that up. I apologize. Yeah, I'm looking at their website right oh. now, and I'm like, well, I could have sworn I had it on the books for me to try and get out there. And I'm like, well, oh, six I'm months here. down the road, it won't, it won't matter. Six months down the road. Okay, well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> I apologize. Um, well, I just did a plug for it. If you're going to go. I imagine it's gonna that go. There's people... enough time based on the show we're doing live. Yes, that's right. There's still uh, that, time that cold it. medicine will get you every time, gents. Uh, back back to the story here. Finish the point. Please. Uh, many, many have finally come to their senses and said, "Hey, you know, put on the brakes here." Number one, what we know is that all these press outlets release this information at the same time. Okay, which is totally strange and unheard of. It almost seems like it was forced down their throats, or they were activated to a certain degree. Um, the only people to back up this information are the, is the one pilot that's been doing the interview tour. Uh, and what he's really saying is he doesn't know what the hell this thing was. Uh, but where they really have dropped the ball in ufology, if you guys remember, back in the day, they would have gotten a guy like Jim Delatoso on the phone, and they would have had a couple other guys to rip into this footage from a digital graphics point of view, right? Correct. Down to yep. the pixel. Yep. And compare and compare it to other gunship camera footage of other jets, other phenomena that is known and unknown to try to find a correlation. To, uh, for instance, finally, some folks within the YouTube community have been starting to put it forth information that this actually is flaring that we're seeing from conventional aircraft or black mm -hmm. program aircraft via Area 51, etc. Yeah, that's, that's what always gets me, Jesse, is like everybody jumps to the, to the conclusion immediately that, oh, it has to be extraterrestrial. Well, Angel, if mm. you, when it really starts to make sense is these are people that actually are doing testing with the gimbal camera footage. Right. Utilizing the kind of cameras that were utilized and how they create lens flaring from those cameras and, and what they pick up. And, and they're able to recreate the flaring quite easily. And the point I'm making, and I think that they're making, I'm trying to, uh, uh, to discuss it here so that people can do their own research, is that it seems to be that this is not as strange as it looks 
for the 30 seconds that we were shown before the holidays with To so the Stars, the trying to is, make it seem and spin. You're saying the spinning is something that's easy to do. The clouds are staying the same. The object is spinning. You're saying that's on a gimbal? What I'm saying is, is that if we were able to get experts, none of the shows did this. None of the press went and talked to people who have experience with these type of cameras, right? Mm. We did, none of them talked to experts. You're in right. None of them have. Graphics. They didn't talk to any none F-16 them, pilots with None of cameras. them. Well, and none of them spoke to the camera makers. None of them, just like you would if you were talking about the moon, you'd go and talk to Hasselblad. Right. None of them did this. Nobody did any secondary information. Leslie Kane, no one. That in itself is inexcusable. To this date, we have no other footage to compare this to, gentlemen. I, I, I implore people to take a look at what I'm talking about. I don't have any specific links right here. Um, uh, I think Dark Journalist is doing a terrific job at, at bringing this forward. Not to try to be a stink bomb. Of course this would be great if it was true. Although, guys, when something smells as bad as this does with the people involved, it's, it, it, it's very quite possibly rotten. And there is ulterior hmm. motives. We don't know what they may be. But right now there really isn't anything to corroborate that this is anything all that extraordinary other than the fact that we have nothing to compare it to. So it looks strange to us because we're not used to seeing gun camera footage of anything, maybe of an eagle being shot, of a hot air balloon being shot by gun camera footage off an F-18. We just don't know. And no well, we one see is doing- gun footage hitting the Taliban and ISIS. We see gun footage all the time if you look. Not of other aircraft. No, they show – no, there's footage of, you know, of chasing, you know, Russian MiGs and things like that. That's there's gun the footage kind, stuff. That's the kind of footage that needs to be looked at to try to compare in the graphics community within ufology who has really dropped the ball here. They're the ones who have un- uncovered just in the past year. Remember the little alien dummy when they were able to decipher the placard? Um, and, and, and made everyone in Mexico look mm-hmm. terrible because yep. they had deciphered through graphics in Photoshop and they were able to read that this dummy was in a museum. Okay, this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about and that the UFO community is just – we don't even know what they're doing right now. The what UFO is- community has selective visualization. Yes, so that's the thing. It's a cop-out. They, sh- they want it to be true so badly. People like Stephen Greer – are, are, are telling you right now it's totally false. This is mm. inside information. This is not true at all. And just today, excuse me, <coughs> just today, gentlemen, I had a message from someone very respected that I respect personally who has been a mechanic on aircraft for most of his life in corporate mechanic. Uh, I say um, I don't know the extent I don't know his exact background. I will say I don't. I can't reveal too much about this person, but they're not jaded by the UFO community. They don't follow this stuff. And when I asked them about the footage, they immediately wrote me back and said, "Black budget program. It's ours out of Area 51." Makes okay. Sense. Now there's another theory, yeah. really quick to, to think about, and then and then let's you know hear your viewpoints as well, and the, and the audience. But think about this. These guys were Top Gun pilots and F-18s off of a carrier off the coast of Mexico in one of the videos. We know for a fact 
they might have absolutely no idea what's going on at some of these black programs out of Area 51. Of like, they yeah. might have had a run-in with one of these crafts. Mm-hmm. Easily. Easily. Okay? Especially if you got guys like Tom DeLong telling everybody that we have the technology to do warp. And we have the technology to to utilize the electromagnetic spectrum and alter it and thus different kinds of propulsions. If we already possess these technologies, obviously we've been testing with them for years. We know that. Well, guess what? They don't get on the phone and call every aircraft carrier in the vicinity and let them know they're doing testing. So something to think about as well, gentlemen, is that uh, even a guy flying an F-18 Hornet, one of the best planes in our fleet, might be 50, 60, 100 years behind what's going on down the road in the in the black programs Fair in enough. the California desert, Nevada desert. And that's that's what's going on. There's a rift in, in UFO, UFO communities. There's these people that are just opening their arms and saying it's here. Disclosure is here. And now they're all kind yeah. of like, well, what do we do now? But Jesse, I mean, you've known me for a long time. I've been saying this for a long, long time, but a lot of the stuff that people see out there are not extraterrestrial beings or crafts. They're our own black budget projects. But you can't have your kick and, and not eat it, okay? If you're of the belief that we've back-engineered aircraft for the last 70 years, then some of the stuff that's flying up there is our own back-engineered stuff. If you believe that we have black budget projects, you know, you know guess what happens when you test new stuff? It breaks down, has crash, has incidents. You know, people are going to see it. You know, one question that 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 somebody asked me once, and and really I, to this day I'm like, yeah, I mean, why would they? Why would aliens need lights on a spaceship? That's a very human trait. I well, mean, no, uh, that might actually just be the after effect of their propulsion system. It could be, but a lot of times people say, oh, there, there's all these lights that are, you know, like uh, red light, blue lights. These are human type of lights. We put that on, on our ships. That's a human trait. Aliens could, you know, their ships could be all kinds of different kind of things. Their proportions could be completely different where they have they no need for light. Maybe they, they, they see in a different spectrum that they don't need to have, you know, a, a shiny light going in front of their ship. To be able to, to view things, and a lot of people see lights when they see alien ships. So I mean, I, I, to me, it's a, it's a human experience. A lot of the experiences that people have with our own black budget projects, stuff that we've back engineered, and this has not shocked me. I think this was what's going on with Tom DeLong. I think he's been used as a puppet by people that that want to just use him for his fame. And I think he's allowed himself to be used because he really is a fan. He's a fanboy of the subject. Well. I guess you're asking. Uh, well, I, I think you're uh, leaning into making some a of the right. Yeah. Well, you're making a statement, but some of the right questions at this point is really why? Why did they do this? Why did they pull this card? Mm. And how were they able to get all the major press outlets to come forward at once before the holidays They're and try the to warp and try to? Well, that's a great point, Angel, and I think you're spot on with one of them. Yeah. But. Who exactly is testing the waters? Perhaps you're right. Maybe they are testing the waters. What we do know is that there really hasn't been much follow-up at all. There ha- the major press outlets did what they were told. They ran this story. Mm-hmm. They did some interviews with some of the key players. Okay, The narrative was set forth, and now we're supposed to digest. And that's a really right. good point. What is this gearing towards? Obviously, the Greer camp says it's gearing towards the false flag 
right? The the right. false flag alien threat. And keep in right. mind that the long camp continually seems to drop little tidbits about this being a threat. Right. And that it's not a positive thing. It's something we need to be uh, very deeply entrenched and aware and alert and afraid of, really. So William Cooper spoke about this also on Behold the Pale Horse and and, and when he spoke live in uh, in interviews, I mean, he spoke about this false flag, Jesse. This is not, you know, anything new also. We, you know, we've spoken about this in ufology 30 years ago with William Cooper. Well, a lot of people think also that the, the threat, um, we, we spoke about this briefly, I think, last time, um, the threat itself by creating it is going mm-hmm. to help gain support for a space force, like an Correct. Air Force. That we'll right, be able yeah. to pump another trillion dollars a year into, and that uh, keeps all of the black budget folks happy, and all the lobbyists and all the other politicians that are paid off um, ha- happy as shit because now they don't have to start a war to get the, the wheels churning. They can look towards space as a threat, and then that opens the floodgates for nuclear weapons in space which is probably something that, if they don't already have, are really excited about doing. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they have that. I mean, look, in the 80s, they had the Star Wars program, not the movies, the Star Wars program uh, with the Bush uh, family and Reagan's and uh, the Reagan uh, presidency. Where I'm, I am positive to this state, Jesse, that we have uh, lasers on the moon, we have nuclear weapons on the moon, we have bases on the moon, we have all kinds of things on the moon right now that is man-made. We put it there. Uh, well, there's we other stuff besides on the moon as well too. That's not well. Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure. We, no, no, I'm pretty sure we found. No, here's and we can go a, a long way with that. By the way, other guy, but look, I'm pretty sure we found stuff when we went to the moon originally, and maybe found beings. I have, you know, that's a different discussion altogether. But I'm pretty sure that you know, since uh, we've been told, that, or we haven't gone back to the moon, I think that's a, a load of BS. Because if we have black engineered aircrafts that can travel at the speed that some of these things can travel, going to the moon and, and back is nothing. It's it's a piece of cake. So don't let that it's fool you. the secret space program. Correct. So well, going it's, to the it's moon still back and forth. thousand mile uh, trip. You know? Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest. It wasn't, yeah, you know, you're right. It's going to take a couple of days. It takes half an hour. Oops. I mean, Look, keep in mind, with only so, so with with the guys we know, the ISS and the the shuttle missions, they've only gone up four hundred miles. Top. Right, but we went. But according to NASA, we went to the moon with technology the equivalent of a washing machine. That's right. So, yeah, if that's the <laughs> <laughs> if that's the case, if uh, if my washing machine and my microwave put together are more technologically advanced than what got us to the moon to begin with, and we have trillions of dollars being pumped into black budget projects, believe me, we can get to the moon without a problem. And we, you know, and we have bases and all kinds of shit on the moon right now. That's a done deal. I mean, case closed on that one, folks. Yeah, I don't need disclosure to, to know that's going on. I don't need so, it. Yeah, it's, it's I, going on. You know what? Uh, for, it's really it must be a strange uh, day because I agree with almost everything you've said tonight. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to the say the world's my, coming to an end. My, yes. My, the point of bringing forth this information, besides the obvious, gentlemen, is that I I want to throw out there to the community at large that how disappointed uh, I am. I am no longer a, uh, a radio host. Uh, I'm I'm not as uh, out in front, but in the back end. It's very frustrating that I hear through the the main people that I do support that they're not getting the kind of research that they did back in the day. Where is MUFON? Where is a host of people 
at uh, Industrial Light and Magic or somebody where they were able to get them to look at the Meyer footage for crying out loud, and they can't get them to look at stuff like this. This is a very high-profile case. These people are claiming that these this footage that was released to us, the world, these two videos that we've seen, are alien extraterrestrial crafts that are definitely not made on this planet. And what I'm saying is there has been nobody to rip this thing apart and take a look at it. It just doesn't right. make sense to me. It's very disappointing. I hope that uh, people listening um, – there's so many good graphics people out here that can throw this into – uh, a 3D program or, or, or some of the other graphic uh, programs and, and break it down. And, and, and I think the, 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 uh, to the Stars Academy, uh, they've already been called out to come on some other programs and speak, and they won't do it. They just won't do it. And that's a shame, and, and that speaks volumes in my opinion, is that they keep telling us that they're one of us. They're in our community, Tom DeLong, etc. And you're calling them a fanboy, and I get that. At the same token, they're not—they're uh, not getting together with us and sharing mm-hmm. what they have. They're still treating oh, they, us they, as they, outsiders. They, they will if we, you know, buy their book and uh, join Correct. their program and pay you know, an outlandish amount of money. Then they start treating us closer. And keep know. in mind, Lissandro, who, mm-hmm. who is is a strange egg in himself. Uh, when you look at how this all uh, came to be. It uh, doesn't make sense. doesn't even seem practical. You know, two days right. leaving the Pentagon, he's talking about all this, right? Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, guess who's uh, the headlining act at the uh, the conference that I screwed the date up? Uh, the, <laughs> the Open Minds Conference that I was off by a month. Jeez, wow. <laughs> Time to uh, long. Time travel, man. It's all your fault. Yeah. Yes. Uh, hey, look. Um, it, it's Lissandro, and he's oh, speaking, I believe, yep. at the conference, and, and that's – Again, you know, yep. is that is along that with Linda Bolton Howell, Steve Bassett, Bill Burns, Reverend Michael J. Carter, yep. uh, Donald Schmidt, uh, Tika Heller, Cheryl Costa, Love Dean Donald. Alito, uh, Susie Hansen, Bryce Sable, Robbie Graham, you know, I'm li- Travis is there, Don Walton's there, Chuck Ellison's there. Well, it's funny, other guys. Well, you could still make it, man. You know, hey, you know what? It's not that I can't make it; I can't afford it, and that's one of the shames about those conferences, as everybody knows, Mm, is that they just they make them, they price themselves out, and there's always let's see uh, see the rates. Uh, Let's see. It's usually about six to six hundred to a thousand just to go. Well, we definitely pass the early bird registration. Mm -hmm. Um, Regular registration (laughs) is three fifty this year. That's not too bad. That's well, for full access, and you can get the discounted. You got to fly there. You got to eat. Yeah, you gotta that's stay the worst somewhere. part. That's the worst. That's the worst it part. It comes the, out the to about a grand. Out there, yeah, yeah. It's about a grand. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I used to know Tim when he would get me into all these things for free when he had the UFO uh, TV booth, and then I could go to all. I had like an all access pass, so that was that was cool. Um, and that would sometimes if I just paid my way or I hitched a ride with him. That's how I was able to go out to Roswell, and I was able to go to see Ike and people like that. Or else I can't pony up one hundred fifty dollars to see Ike. You know yeah, I mean? and the hotel stay. I mean, that's another four hundred dollars for the weekend over the week. Easy, absolutely. It's very yeah. expensive. New, yeah. the, these, this kind of information does not run cheap. That's why the cheapest <laughs> no, show in town is a show called Skywatchers Radio. You know, yes. you get all the information for free. Uh, and 
and, and there are people like myself uh, who support the show who are mm-hmm. uh, tirelessly uh, uh, looking into this all week and talking uh, the stuff that I'm talking about tonight with people saying, hey, why is anybody looking at the fact that these these lens flares that we're talking mm-hmm. about make regular conventional aircraft or even exotic ones look really weird? Okay, and, and, and I know other guy kind of poo-pooed that a little bit, but... I'm, I'm happy. I didn't really poop. No, you didn't. You didn't. Mm. But you you raised the question, like, hey, I think I've seen stuff like that. Well, let's do let's do an analysis. Why isn't people like Mufon just going gaga over this? They spend so much time in, uh, investigating uh, garbage ninety percent of the time. Okay, uh, just talking to people who saw some light in the sky and going out there and scribbling in their notepad. This is a meaty case. And why aren't they asking the right questions? Where are they? I, I don't know if anyone's talked to Chase Kolosky. She seems to be our best friend over at MUFON. Yep. Um, she's always been nice to us here at, at PSN. Yep. And, uh, um, you know, you have a guest tonight that is one of the cream of the crop in this subject. I mean, uh, you can't get much more of an A-lister than David Sereda. Well, so, we guess we got to beat him up on the questions. Are you going to hang around this? Are you going to hang around and stay on the phone with us here? Negative. I'm going to I'm going to rest my voice and listen. But in oh. fact, I'm going to let you guys go in a minute here so you can focus on that. But he uh, is going to have a lot of answers. I have a feeling, and that's exciting. So the it's question going to, is, will he give us those answers? He will. He will. He's a great um, speaker. Number one. And keep in mind, I don't agree with a lot of things that David Sereda is in, uh, into. I will just say that. I, I believe that David Sereda is, uh, is, is a pretty religious guy. Um, Correct. Yeah. But, but his physics, his knowledge, uh, mm-hmm. the people that he's been able to access throughout the years, uh, the way that he brings information with a serious light, um, mm-hmm. he's a cream of the crop guy. So yeah. um, I, I'm excited to hear what he thinks about what I'm talking about. Where is the research. Mm-hmm. Why are people st- look? I don't see why any other case really matters right now except this one. I mean, I am, I, am I missing something here? We do, we finally have uh, ex-government folks from the Pentagon, CIA, mm-hmm. defense contracting industry, rock and roll Hall of Famers, and alike, and every <laughs> press outlet saying this is true. We did it. We had a group within the Pentagon. You know, you know what the problem. The problem is, Jesse. This is all this stuff is getting overshadowed by Trump, uh, by what's going on in the White House, by you know even the uh, the stuff's going on with the Pentagon. I mean, they've got to talk about the FBI and the investigations and all this uh, you know other nonsense that's distracting from this subject getting more attention in the media. And that is the biggest shame of all. That right there is the biggest uh, you know thing that we deal with. On a, on a Angel, current Angel, basis, how, how, you know you're you're a pretty big Trump supporter. Yes, don't you find it strange and alarming and agitating that to this day Trump mm-hmm. has said zero about what has transpired? Zero. I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed though. He's been very busy trying to just keep the piranhas and the alligators uh, in the swamp from attacking and killing him. But this is a uh, guy who has time to. <laughs> Tweet tweet about the silliest things in the world. Sometimes you would think that he would have a so, comment. You would think that aliens. you would think so, you really but if he's think that he's actually <laughs> setting out all think those of, tweets. Think about this for a second, though, Jesse. In the current state of the Trump administration, if he comes out and starts talking about aliens, 
they're gonna, the, the left is gonna be like, you see, he's crazy. But then the right is gonna be like, but wait a second, Podesta, you believe in aliens. Clinton, you believe in aliens. And then it'll, it'll be all kind of chaos, I'm telling you right now. It'll actually be a beautiful thing. He really I should just come think out. It adds he really more would. <laughs> it adds more now that I say it like that, I think it should be done. <laughs> I, again, I agree with you. This is so weird. Okay, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is it adds to the mystique of this story and why I would think people would be more charged about it. It's that, yes, there are people that are totally ignoring this and wanting it to go away. Was this leaked? What the hell happened? No one is forcing Bigelow to speak. That in itself is strange. Where are, the, where, where are our leaders? Aren't they interested in knowing why Bob Bigelow got $22 million of the taxpayers' money to look at aliens, supposedly has a dossier that is a mile high, and crash wreckage metals, alloys mm -hmm. being looked at at his facility in northern Nevada, and mm -hmm. nobody's following up on that one? Yeah, yeah. This is not Jesse. This is not Jesse Marcel Jr. saying. Uh, I saw some uh, hieroglyphic-looking uh, things on some metal uh, clippings when right. I was five or six or whatever. Yeah, this is not that. This is somebody actually has material. You know this what I was saying? This is the Holy Grail. This is the yeah, Holy Grail, gentlemen. We're, ta if we're talking about we're talking about physical evidence. Well, here we go. That's correct, and so it is very perplexing. Then you have plenty of people in the UFO community that think this is. A hundred percent false. This is there's no truth to this whatsoever. Even guys like John Lear goes as far as saying that the footage is absolutely false. It's fraud. It's outright fraud. Now, granted, a guy like John Lear doesn't believe that anything's real. Pretty much, he doesn't believe that planes hit the towers. He believes that was holograms. Right. He believes that a quarter of a million people currently live on the moon and that mm -hmm. they have a full atmosphere, trees, rivers, etc. Mm. Who says that one? John Lear. <laughs> John Lear, one of the yeah. most iconic figures in Uf ufology. See, now there's a difference between iconic and well-respected. There's two totally different topics. Hey, look at his record. True. And look at his military record. The George Lucas, is, iconic. He's a very well-respected well pilot. Okay, he's done things that all three of us can only dream of doing as far as flying all over the world. He's flown for the CIA. He's done things... That we can't dream of. He's hung out with Bob Lazar, looking at saucers in the desert, etc., etc. But guy Jesse, is an atmosphere on the moon false. with trees on the moon. That's a, that's a little bit. Of, I, that's John a, Lear tough. has a website called livingmoon.org or .com or something like that. Uh, it is weird. There's a lot of weird stuff there. I don't know what is going on in his head sometimes. What I do know is that there is a growing... Uh, portion of people in the community, the diehards that are like, this is bullshit. All of this is bullshit. The people involved with this are so stinky. It reeks. Ex-Lockheed, ex-DARPA, uh, uh, ex-DOD, ex-Pentagon, uh, all the people that have lied to us forever. There's no reason to believe these people without some really hardcore evidence. Right. And people are just blindly believing. It's very, very sad. So it'll be interesting to hear what Sereda thinks about this because to me, what else is there right now? Really? Do I want to hear about another abductee or a my lab? Do I want to hear about Corey Good and his bullshit anymore? No. I don't. And I don't even want to talk about it anymore. That's the good news, is that this fallout has crushed a bunch of these 
charlatans because people are like, what? I don't. Of course, they're trying to monopolize on it and say, see, we told you. We actually know about these guys. They're from, uh, you know, Bluebeam Land. Right. <laughs> right. And, and they're, they're the Ebens and they're these guys and we talk right. to them all the time. So, you know, wake up. Welcome to the party. Um, but the smart people are like, yeah, this is, this is an actual real story that we can get into and look into mm-hmm. with real people and real press outfits. It, but is it? And that's where I rely on the real researchers. Where, where's Don Schmidt? Is he still looking at Roswell? Really? Well, this trumps it. And I would hope mm-hmm. that Kevin Randall and Don Schmitz and, and Richard Dolan, who has been absolutely absent on this, I mean, I don't. It just sounds like the guy has totally. Uh, I don't know if he's on uh, uh, ketamine or what. He's just like he was on Linda Malton Howe, <laughs> and he had no idea what was going on. She was like, "Well, you know, she has been doing a very good job, yes. uh, even though she's in, yep. in, in on a station that that can sometimes host some people that we're not big fans of, but um, she's doing a very good job of trying to find some answers because she understands that she's devoted." So many years of her life to try to find a story like this, correct? With this yeah. kind of meat, mm-hmm. so she's not going to let this go, right? We don't want to talk about Nazca mummies anymore. We got something real, kids, or do we? So I leave you with that tonight, gentlemen, and I hope that uh, your esteemed guest, uh, besides, you know, I know he's known for a lot of the stuff with Dan Aykroyd and all that stuff, but right. that stuff's in the past. This guy is a wealth of knowledge way beyond anything that. Uh, Dan Aykroyd ever can come up with that's for sure uh, he's a fanboy Dan Aykroyd and that's fine but that, <laughs> yeah. you know that's not something that uh, this is a real story and the physics is something that I'm interested in hearing about Sereda's uh, viewpoint because mm. his knowledge is vast he might look at these videos in a totally different light than we have already and that's why I'm going to be listening on pins and needles so I thank you both uh, for having me on and uh, hearing me out and uh, I look forward to uh, hour two. What was the first time you ever heard of uh, David Cerrito? Like, what was the first uh, encounter with his uh, work that you had? Well, I want to. Th- I want to say the Ackroyd stuff, but I know it was before yeah, that. I see. For me, it was the uh, the tether incident where he dissected the the footage of the STS tether uh, that that was. Uh, Leaked by Martin Stubbs back in the nineties. I was going to say, I thought that was Martin Stubbs. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know David did anything on that, but I know that he's been dealing with Tim probably for mm-hmm. a long time too. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is—he's an OG. Okay, he just—he just doesn't look like Robert Dean. Okay, but he's an OG. He—he's from back in the day when I got involved in this. He was already. Uh, um, um, getting getting uh, uh, bubbling and popular. Okay. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that, I mean, he, he he came out shortly after uh, Bob Lazar came out and uh, and you know had his uh, big you know fifty minutes of fame with uh, his story on Area Fifty One. A few years later, that you know David Tarita came out and with the Martin Stubb thing, you know, hit um, the, the way he broke that footage down. I know that it's been debunked over the years now. People try to say that they've been able yeah. to reproduce the the uh, the effects we see in the footage in a laboratory, and some of it looks convincing. I'll, I'll admit, uh, but I am still to this day not one hundred percent convinced that we're not seeing authentic crafts in in space around the tether, flying and floating all around it. It just it looks too legit 
for for me to like dismiss it just because you can kind of simulate something similar in a laboratory experiment. You know, those two, you know, you can simulate a lot of things in a laboratory that is simulating a real life event. It doesn't mean that, you know, that real life event is now, you know, something that, you know, your mind is just playing a trick on you. That's but, not the, the case here, I don't think. But Angel, the, the most important thing that David Serrata, in my opinion, brought forward, uh, and, and it'd be cool if you could touch on it tonight, yeah. was the, the fallout uh, was pretty severe after this for, uh, because people tried yes. to really debunk it. Is the Boyd Bushman stuff, mm. and Boyd Bushman, the uh, the scientist uh, who w- had patents on the Stinger missile. Okay, this was a very well respected Area Fifty One scientist. Does a deathbed confessional interview with David Serrata, and uh, mm-hmm. that that was uh, remarkable. And I still don't know what the – it's probably one of the weirdest interviews I've ever seen in the subject because he pulls out like this oak tag board with these weird Polaroids and stuff as evidence during the interview. And you're like, what the hell? And uh, it was so bizarre because here's this really – it almost like John Lear where you're like, really? But then you see the guy's – uh, lineage and his bio, and you're like, okay, well, I got to have some mass props here. So either he has a brain injury or what? You know, is he going senile? Um, what is it? Right. Same thing with Corso, and same thing with right. Boyd Boyd Bushman, and Serrata had the exclusive on that. So, if you get a chance, man, I would love to hear if he thought that was a very strange interview, as strange as it looked from the evidence point of view, because. Uh, again, I believe somebody at the time had tried to say that the. Ma- uh, the alien picture that Bushman showed, uh, they were able to match to a mask at either Walmart or another Halloween-type uh, alien mask. And they, so they really ripped this one apart. And I'm, I'm curious uh, to see what he thinks of the lineage uh, as far as the, the reputation, whether it tarnished Boyd, uh, what did it do for Serrata's career, and... You know, what, what was the outcome of that? Did it lead to anything? Because did anybody back up Boyd Bushman's interview through Serrata? So, yeah, I'm very curious because uh, you don't get that many opportunities to talk to a guy who worked out at the ranch. Yeah, no don't. kidding. No, you really don't. Well, with that, folks, we're going to go on a quick break here. Jesse, thank you so much for uh, being on here the, the first yeah, hour with us as usual. Always, gentlemen. Always. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> it, We're uh, gonna call on you again later on. Don't worry. Yes, All right, yes. I love you guys. Take care. Take care, buddy. Take care. And that. Uh, well, Guys, we're, we're going to go on a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have David Sarita on himself. Hopefully, he's been listening in, and uh, he'll have some answers uh, ready to go uh, for us uh, because uh, this should be a fascinating hour, guys. If you guys want to call in, again, open lines at 786-245-8127. As usual, 786-245-8127. This is Skywatchers Radio, and as always, we shall return with more fascinating Incredible, incredible talk. Stick around, guys. Please don't go anywhere.
call me lately. In your military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or? No. Holy <laughs> That was the yeah, yeah. 10 seconds of, uh, no. What are you that was so convincing. Yeah. What are you one trying one. to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. Unidentified flying something. Mac Maloney's Military X-Files, Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the public streaming radio network. Greetings. My name is Spud Goodman, and I am, in fact, a talk show host. But the Spud Goodman Show is more than just a talk show. Spud and his temporary co-host, Gerald. It's temporary permanent co-host. Super. Interview celebrities. Welcome live musical guests. Present fascinating feature segments. And take calls from an assortment of unique callers. Should I laugh now? And you can catch the Spud Goodman Show Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Right here on PSN Radio. That is messed up, yo. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954-9 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Guys, welcome back to Skywatchers Radio, and uh, with us is uh, a legendary figure in ufology, like we were saying earlier, uh, somebody who's been around for a while, who's uh, done his fair share of homework, Mr. David Sarita, who uh, first 
I had aspirations in life to become an astronaut, just like myself. I'm not even kidding. Uh, back in 1968, uh, David and a friend witnessed a UFO along with hundreds of other witnesses. After his experience, David grew up as a UFO enthusiast, never listening in, uh, or never living in doubt of the phenomenon that was swept around the world uh, since the Roswell incident in 1947. His interest in space religion, philosophy, astronomy, and science led him to a career in relative fields. He has worked deeply in high technology and, and on environmental and humanitarian issues, and also as a professional photographer for over the last 20 plus years. He has studied world religion. Science, physics, paranormal, psychology, and for over the last 25 years, like I said, has been a hero to a lot of us within the world of ufology. David, thank you so much for being on here with us, and uh, spending your time here on Skywatchers Radio. It is truly an honor, sir. Thank you. I'm getting like a double audio on you somehow. A double audio? Yeah, you're still talking right now. Okay, there must be some delay somewhere. Yeah, I, I have no idea where. Can you hear it, you guys? No, no. I can't. No, we don't. It must so be something on your end. If I go to my Skype settings... that That's probably where it's at, yeah. You're, you're probably hearing, um, like, through another speaker, maybe? Or? No, I'm seeing, I'm hearing the end of your introduction right now. It's, it's, it was a beautiful introduction, wasn't it? Are you, do you still have your web browser open listening to our that could, That's what it is. Oh, boy. Okay, that's it. it. Thank you, other oh, guys. That's, okay. Smart guy. There you go. That's why he's the other guy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and you didn't even have to buy a vowel to figure it out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I so but I with all that said... Guys. With all that said, thank you for being on here with us and uh, yeah, spending your time with us. Yeah, we appreciate here with us. Definitely. Yeah, it's nice to hear when I was hearing you guys talking at the end of the last hour. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear some of the things people say about me and some of my work. You know, the first thing and foremost is as a kid growing up in Berkeley, California, when you, I saw a UFO 1968 with dozens of witnesses, and it was close, and it was metallic. It had no rivets. It was a saucer. And I, I, you know, told my story for years and years and years. And following the sighting, um, I, you know, I told my mom, told my dad, who was getting his PhD at Berkeley in psychology. And there's no one you can relate to as a kid when your parents have no, you know, no way of understanding what's happening to you. But I, I know that in the following weeks. Um, the dreams I had and the sleep paralysis I had were a very kind, benevolent <coughs> beings from Pleiades. They don't use the word Pleiades. They showed me their star system. And, and coming all the way forward to, you know, growing up and then realizing that ufology was a phenomenon, I, I'm first and foremost coming in with my own experience being so real to me that it just rocked the foundation of where I would go in life and what I would do with my life. And so, you know, when I was having, you know, most of my life at that time, I was working as a tree planter for, you know, 23 years part-time, and I worked for physicists in Los Angeles on nuclear fusions, very, very world-renowned physicists, including the physicist that built the atomic bomb. And also I, you know, was trying to make screenplays in Los Angeles about <coughs> very advanced subject matter and making connections and trying to get movies made, none of which 
um, led to fruition. So when Martin Stubbs approached me um, through a mutual friend in, in Canada, Vancouver, about the footage he had from the space shuttle, I was already, you know, doing some work for these physicists, and I was able to get letters in to top physicists at NASA about the footage. And I want the first thing I want to say about it is, you know, when the History Channel tried to debunk the footage, they did. It was so tacky of them not to allow me to counter any arguments. It's like they did it all without me, and they missed everything. They duped the world, and they duped the world badly because they don't know their stuff. First thing first is imagine. You have five things floating in the dark. One of them is a CD, you know, a metallic kind of, you know, the, the foil-looking CD. Right. And you have a real flying saucer. You have a star. And then you just have some headlights from a helicopter, for example. And the way these cameras work, I mean, I was a photo expert. I, I won awards the best photographer in two high schools when I was young. I had gallery showings. I was a darkroom expert. I was a photo expert. So I was, I was coming into photography with a huge amount of knowledge. And second, I, you know, talking to <coughs> Dr. Louis A. Frank, the third at NASA, um, Dr. Louis A. Frank, and no, it was Joseph Newth the third and Dr. Louis A. Frank at NASA. And um, they were very clear to me about the wavelengths and sensitivity of the camera. The camera was retrofitted with a new CCD, an imaging system to see invisible ultraviolet light. Right. And it was sensitive to low levels of light. So it's super sensitive to light. And when I when I saw what the History Channel was doing, it's like, why did you guys do this without me? You you made so many errors in your presentation. So all pinpoint life sources or reflections off metallic surfaces are gonna have the halo on the lens. Until the camera <coughs> is in focus, and when CCD cameras are in focus, the depth of field is so phenomenal. You can have a raindrop on the surface of the of the lens filter and an object in the background, and they're both in focus. And we can hear Claude Nicolier saying, "I can't adjust the focus any better than that." So we know it's not out of focus, airy disc. Right. And and the the most important thing of all, the most important thing of all is first to understand that all these pinpoint light sources will look similar. So that doesn't mean they disproved it. But where they really went wrong is I analyzed in slowing down the footage of the tether incident, the pulses. And the pulses in the UFOs exhibited spiraling waveforms and yes. then a inward going ring that was that was that was collapsing in towards the, what we call the black hole. And then right. it would it would spiral, then pulse outward, and keep repeating. Now you right. can't. They never they never duplicated that. And now this it, is what someone would call like, it. looks like it's like missing like a slice in the in the, in the well. The then you have the then you have the slice. That's that's right. and that could be a number of things <clears throat> because the slices are not all in the same place. Right. So therefore, it's not the camera lens. It's it's something else. Now, I understand that it could, if they were all in the exact same place, I would say it's the optics and the way the light is coming in to the CCD. But right. Not to I'm mention not if they're all pulsing simultaneously the same way. 
If they're all posting, and they're all posting randomly, differently, they're all going different. Now, you have to note that Dust, first of all, space is a very, very clean environment. And and when they do water dumps, it would not look like that. The water would be spinning and moving at incredible speed. Mm -hmm. These things are moving very gently across the screen. They're all going different velocities, which is not consistent with Dust. Dust would all be drifting at the same rate. And the dust doesn't pulse, and it, it would have to be pretty darn big pieces of debris to rotate and cause a flickering effect. But then, my you, goodness, you you think that'd be dangerous for the uh, for the mission to have debris that large just wandering around? Well, you can't exactly. You can't have yeah. any debris out there. And and I researched the water dumps on the shuttle, and they only do it in emergencies. They do not just <laughs> flush the toilet out the window. Right. So, so in all of my arguments with, um, they went on to Louis A. Frank at the University of Iowa, and he was already dealing with single picture um, photographs from invisible ultraviolet sensitive cameras on various satellites of these incoming very translucent looking discs that he knew was again not an airy disc nothing like how they tried to disprove the footage he knew that these things were real he had huge conferences at nasa about the incoming he thought they possibly were made of water but they were they were interstellar water because they came in at a random rate and you'll notice the objects on the tether move around at random rates right so when i sent the footage to him <clears throat> he was so interested in our conversation because i knew so much about cameras and as soon as he heard that martin stubbs had accidentally you know <laughs> he had shared the footage with these guys in the uk from this big magazine in the uk and they went and published my letters with Joseph Newth III at the Astrochemistry Branch and Louis A. Frank. He was outraged that they were in a UFO magazine. And I wasn't finished my investigation, and he blew it. But Frank admitted to me, we're, these look like the same things that we're looking at on our cameras. Thank you. This is the first time I've seen video footage of them. And that's the last I heard from Louis A. Frank, who's a, you know a, a, an award-winning astrophysicist. So there's no way in the world that I believe the debunking was anywhere near um, correct. They, they, you could, Like I said, you could have a flashlight in pointing at a camera. You can have all sorts of pinpoint light sources, and then you'll see the halo. And, and if you're using the super, and the super sensitive cameras, and they weren't using the same cameras because NASA won't allow anyone to have those CCDs on the low-light level cameras. And again, they didn't see the spiraling pulses, the Fibonacci spiral that that I, you know, when I slowed down the footage. So they thought, you know, voila, we disproved the STS footage and everybody debunked it because they, they thought they did it. But again, because they didn't have me on, <laughs> then they really messed up. So well, I mean, I just that's, how, that's how you would, but that's how you would, uh, you know, cover something up though, uh, David. You, you know, you would have, misinformation and not have the original source who uh, really nailed it like you did and that just you know that's how they, they flip it around and I mean I believe so in the 90s it was a big hush hush to cover all this stuff up now I think they, they wouldn't care I don't think that would happen at this point yeah I mean they, nobody cares about it anymore and also yeah. other people 
have taken NASA footage and put it on the internet and sensationalized yeah. it. But nobody analyzed it in the cameras and the wavelengths. I actually have the book, Evidence the Case for NASA UFOs, with every letter from every correspondence I made at NASA. And, and they truly admitted it is definitely a mystery. There's no way you can say this is space dust. <clears throat> and Louis A. Frank, listen to this, Louis A. Frank at the University of Iowa was so brilliant that he could debunk the reflections off of dust based on the intensity of the light curve and the sensitivity of the light of the camera. And he was so good at it that he was able to tell other scientists, no, that's not space dust because here's the light curve of what a reflection on space dust really looks like and here's what this looks like. And it's not the same thing. So, again, even those arguments were not admitted in the, I think it was the History Channel who did the debunking on Mia and the Tether. So, yeah, that hurt me. It, even though my film, Evidence the Case for NASA UFOs, which came out in um, 1999-2000 on on VHS. It ended up on Google Video with Mm -hmm. tens of millions of views. And then when YouTube came along and overtook Google Video, you know, the film got chopped up in parts. And we were not able to sell the DVD anymore because it was free everywhere. So... So that's what happened to that. I And also, I used to get these calls from Charles Brown, this famous um, Air Force um, pilot who was in disclosure, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Brown. The name is familiar, but I haven't uh, never interviewed him. Yeah, just Google funny. Charlie Brown. In fact, they yeah. were going to make a movie in Hollywood about his mm-hmm. his um, the end of World War II, his story. And before Charlie, in the years before Charlie Brown died, and he was part of, you know, Stephen Gray's disclosure. You can just look up disclosure, Charles Brown. He called me all the time. We would talk for hours about the tether. That's all he wanted to talk about. He's he really got it that it was real. How long and, does the tether tether video actually run? Ooh. Oh, that's a good question because you know what I did. I had to write. the the NASA library video library and give them the time code. And when they sent me their version of what Martin Stubbs had recorded live, there was, theirs was more washed out. It was hard <coughs> for me to get the waveforms out of the UFO, and they removed tons of the audio. So I knew, first of all, that it was real, that Martin Stubbs didn't add anything to it. But the audio in the Stubbs original is more complete. Hmm. Where, whereas what NASA put in their library, they made it brighter so you couldn't see the waveforms um, as easily. I can see them, but they're not as good. Is Martin Stubbs still with us, or has he passed? Oh no, no, he's he's around and he's around. Oh yeah, he's 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 available also. So if you guys want to get a hold of him, we can try at some point. So the next thing you guys were talking about is the Boyd Bushman stuff, and and Boyd and I have hundreds and hundreds of emails over the years that I've kept and the I did an interview with him that is the same as the deathbed confession video but but when I filmed him he was much more coherent than that and he gave me information that I would not in my video interview that I would not disclose to the public but he did give me the photographs of the alien and Boyd did not take those photographs, <clears throat> but I was able, you know, once they got on the Internet, of course, everybody thinks it's a doll because there's a similar doll 
right. that was found at a Kmart. But but when you compare them side by side, here's where it gets interesting. Again, you got to be a professional photo analyst to look at the photos. First of all, there's only a few tones of coloring on the doll, and it's all spray paint. The reflection in the eyes on the doll is only one reflection. But when you look at the reflection on the Boyd Bushman photo of the eye, because if you take a flash and you stack like six sheets of glass on top of each other, you're going to get six reflections off the six sheets of glass. And the eye of this supposed AI, this is not an alien that is is part living and part AI. It has so many layers. Um, I'm counting at least <laughs> at least five or six reflections. Now, if I take a flash photograph of your eye, I might, I might get you one or two <laughs> reflections, right? <laughs> right? So, and if you have a glass doll and you and you take a reflection off a glass doll, you might get one or two. But this. This eye, when I zoom in on Photoshop, has all these white tentacles like tree branches. And I've even got a photo. I've never put it on the Internet. And you see, due to the flash of the camera, the if you think of a um, a night light that if some it's a motion sensor light, then the light turns on in your backyard. Right. So. You also have photosensitive diodes that as soon as the camera detects light, it turns the camera on through a photosensitive diode. Well, I believe this thing that Boyd is showing us is an AI, and it's the limbs were torn off the arms due to the accident at Roswell, and it, they were put back on, which we have in the reports of Corso, and it the eyes are sawn in black because the the plasma blood or plasma was drained out of the body so the eyes became like sawn cavities and <clears throat> then this is really strange in one photograph i possess and i have all the originals that boyd gave me to this day the second the flash went off these little they look like comets tiny little comets with um, streaking trails behind them came shooting out of the eyes and streaking across the photograph and i said that's these things this is not a reflection this is not what reflections look like in a lens they're not hexagons like when the when the aperture is dialing down on the camera um this looks like something like through the photoelectric effect from the flash, it it triggered some energy and these little comet tail things, they almost look like sperm trails shooting by. There's like three of them coming out of the eyes. And first of all, that you would never get that on a doll. And then in one photograph, there's this massive waveform coming um, out of the head of the alien right at the surface. There's a red explosion and a huge waveform. And I thought, okay, what if this is the last photograph um, on the roll? And, you know, if when you put the, when you um, unwind the film out of the camera, because this is film, not digital, then you get the light exposure effect on the um, part of the photograph. Well, the problem was it doesn't look anything like that, because I've developed hundreds and hundreds of rolls of film, and I know what that last photo looks like. And this doesn't look anything like that because the, the, the wave lines are too clean and there's no bleeding of the light. Everything is too crisp and sharp. So this, again, looks like when the flash went off to take a picture of the AI, 
it triggered a photoelectric effect in the circuitry inside of the AI, and it, it sent out a pulse of energy that affected the film plane. And, and that photographs in my position. Again, you put these things on the Internet, they end up all over the place, and, and people just think they've debunked it because they just said, oh, fake, you know, and whatever this is. So I decided after the Boyd interview that I did that, you know, how can I do a good job of this to, to give Boyd his, um, his, you know, the, the, the credibility he deserves back. And, and all I can tell you is when I put some of the photos up, everybody said they couldn't believe I was getting into this. These are obviously fake. And, and I said, okay, you know, you guys know more than everybody. I'll just forget it. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced the photoelectric effects in the photos that I've never released publicly are convincing enough to tell me that this is some type of, uh, yes, if you made an AI, first of all, first of all, like even Google pictures of the doll ET that Spielberg made for the movie and, and compare them side by side. And I can tell you that the, the Boyd Bushman doll <clears throat> has asymmetrical, unbal- <coughs> unbalanced left and right features and markings and color tones in the skin that the doll photograph that somebody said came from Kmart doesn't have. I mean, I'm so, looking at I'm looking at the footage. I've seen the footage uh, before. I know around the eyes is definitely a lot darker. The neck area is a, a lot darker. It has uh, the streaks. Uh, the, I'm, I mean, yeah, you're looking can, at the one photo that I did put out, but the the right. ones about the the streaks coming out of the eyes, the little the little energy trails, I didn't release, and the one with no, the no, big, no, right. The big wave coming out of the brain I didn't release. But, again, you know, I I hesitate to just put them on Facebook because, you know, 20 people might look at it and that will be the, the little entertainment for a few people for a day. It needs a more proper breakdown and analysis to to release it. And that means I have to make a film. And, and right. to make a film nowadays, we were talking before the show, <laughs> is I'll spend a year making a film and it will just get hijacked and and I won't be able to, you know, pay my rent while I'm making the film. So, right. <laughs> well, you could always Kickstarter it or something, you know. I've done yeah. that, and I, I can't make it. I can't raise enough money. Like Stephen Greer knows how to raise three hundred thousand. Yeah. I'm lucky to raise three thousand. So, <clears throat> I'm just holding on to those photographs, and I can tell you that there's there's anomalies in the photographs. It, it could, it could be that. The Roswell aliens were some sort of AI, and they were conscious. And it's possible the the Zetas are AI that work for a higher race of beings that don't want to do the scouting work themselves. By the way, uh, quick question yeah. about AI: What is your opinion on the Black Knight satellite? Hmm. Um, I can't have one because I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I, I wish I did. Oh, really? Uh, You've never heard of the Black Knight Satellite? I might have, you know, but if I did a deep investigation into it, then I would definitely know. So what can you tell me about it? I mean... Well, it's been supposedly revolving around the Earth for the past uh, for the past twelve thousand years or so. It was mm-hmm. detected primarily in the fifties. Uh, 
we thought that it was the Russians and the Russians thought it was us. It's in an a opposing polar orbit, uh, but it does change its orbit on occasion. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so I know, and you were mentioning John Lear before the show, and I, I did a show with John Lear years ago, because we're about to go into this new disclosure story, which I've really broken down as well. And and John Lear was very disturbed during this interview. He he even sounded broken. And he had me on the phone in this interview that was live with a military officer from a base like Area 51, but it was in Utah. And during this particular demonstration, all the people who work on the base had to put these black blankets over their bodies and lie down on the tarmac they would hear this deafening sound of a craft coming in. And the one witness to the craft um, said that it was a giant black triangle like the one in the Phoenix Lights case. Mm. And it's actually not ours. It's a demonstration of a race that has military superiority over us and that they would defend us in the event of an alien ET invasion. But then Jen John Lear went on to discuss this black box on the dark side of the moon that could trap electronically like a like an AI wave trap. You know how they're talking now about immortality where you could take Stephen Jobs' entire memory and upload it into a server and immortalize everything he ever wrote about everything he said. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's funny, uh, Art, was, uh, Art Bell was talking about that uh, back in the 90s, uh, late 90s, he would have uh, shows about, you know, that being a possibility of the future, and I don't think we're that far off, David. We're, we're well, have you seen the, the last X-Files, um, the, yes. the new X-Files, the one with yep. Dean Hagelin? Yeah. Um, yeah. I know That's Dean. what they're getting into, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I knew Dean personally for quite a few years. And oh, Okay. And that was fun, but they and we had a lot of conversations, a lot of fun times he's, with him. He's really good people. He really is. Really he, is. He, he, he he still runs his podcast, Chill Pack Radio, every every week as well too. Oh, he does. Yeah, okay. he's still doing it. Um, yeah. Well, that was one wicked episode because I went right back to the John Lear thing. Now, this is interesting. This mm-hmm. see the in the Egyptian system of spirituality and death. We have three bodies. We have the physical body, and then you have the, the ba and the ka, or the, the, the astral body, which is electrical. So you can measure voltage and current on your fingertips or your earlobes or your brain or any part of the body because we're electrical. And that theory that you lose you know, so many grams when you die is your second body, which is your electrical body. And any electrical field has a polarity, a magnetic field polarity, positive and negative, which could theoretically be trapped in kind of like a Ghostbusters or black box on the moon. But when you attain the light body, the actual light body, and I'm going to give you an amazing example of this, then you are literally free of being able to be trapped. But Lear was so devastated in this interview, he was so disturbed about the black box on the dark side of the moon that the aliens were using. And I was remembering how the yogis of India would say that your astral body can't travel any further than between the earth and the moon. It can't go anywhere else. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. Now, 
I had this experience when I was living in a yurt on my dad's ranch in Topanga, California, which is, you know, 1994, I had this blinding apparition of Christ in Topanga. And after the apparition of Christ, I could instantly see the dead with my eyes open. I could see star beings. I met hundreds and hundreds of beings for 14 years with my eyes open, including my own daughter. When everybody said we were going to have a boy, this little girl appeared beside the bed before Lyra was born, and, and, and sure enough, we had a girl. So I, I knew that what I was seeing was very accurate. Well, one night, I'm having this experience in the lucid state where ETs that are very skinny and tall have me strapped to a table. It's a classic alien abduction experience. And there I am, terrified, and they're, they're about to put a syringe, a needle, into my eyeball and into my brain. And what I do is, and, and The Matrix hadn't come out yet, the movie The Matrix, I do a backflip out of my astral self, and I get into this super powerful light body that is so powerful it terrifies the aliens and they leave. And I went, oh my God, this is this is the secret to how to be free. You went well, full kneel on there. That's what happened. You went full kneel. It, you, <laughs> you, you, literally, you literally are not free at the moment of death until you've had your light body, which the Christians call the chrism, mm. the Buddhists. The Buddhists basically call it the clear light, you know, mind. And and once you're in that state, you're untouchable, you're free. But believe it or not, most humans are not. And there was Lear terrified, terrified of this, that, that ETs could trap people's souls in these prisons. And they don't even know they're in a prison because it's just like, you know, Dean Hagelin in the new X-Files episode that from this new season, that he's living in this virtual universe, but he knows the sun has no warmth. He right. said in the beginning they thought it was great because you could have sex with anybody you wanted, but then you realize <laughs> it isn't real. And he goes, we want to get out of here, all of us. And he said, Stephen Jobs is here. That, I think that was in the X-Files episode. And I went, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, my God. I thought it, there's no doubt that Chris Carter knows something. And if that is the future that – What's happening with 5G networks and all of this is you're sticking your head into your electronic device all day long. Your brain is synchronizing with these frequencies so well, what do you much. Think virtual, what do you think virtual reality is leading us to, dude? I mean, that's exactly where they're going towards. VR your head is, is the, already in your device, and then eventually, yeah. and your device is emitting a frequency that's grabbing your astral body. But remember, it can't touch your light body. It can't touch it. Mm. And... I've had many experiences with this because I've been meditating for every day for 40 years. And and now I have these new harmonic field resonators on my website to create protection around your house and your body. But I believe that's what they're doing. I believe what – this was years ago. I, I could ask John Lear today because – and he wouldn't even remember it. In fact, he doesn't even remember me. And we used to shake hands at UFO conferences. But when I <laughs> I wrote him on Facebook recently, he said, who's David Sarita? And so that, you know, that brings us into this new super disclosure that's occurring. And, and, and John Lear, of course, is saying it's all fake. And, and I respect him. You know, I've got aviation experience myself and not anywhere near as much as he does, but I've done high altitude skydiving and I've, you know, with oxygen and jumping out of planes at 30,000 feet and, 
And I know that a lot of the things John said in his arguments on this new case are not true. So I don't know what his intention is. But in this new disclosure, if you go to the original, original article in Fighter Suite magazine, I don't know if any of you guys have seen that. No, can't say I have. Okay, this is, I'm going to send you the link to this now. You got to post this because this is where the To the Stars Academy get the story that they then go public with that, um, I'm trying to remember her name, Leslie Keene takes to the New York Times, and they really didn't do a good job because this is this article is written by a fighter pilot named Paco Chieresi, and he's a fighter pilot, and what actually happens, in, in the year 2004, this is off the coast of Baja, California. They even give you the coordinates in this article. This had been going on for over a week. And they were seeing these UFOs oh, wow. literal, literally drop from beyond the scope of the, of the radar's accuracy above 80,000 feet and drop down to sea level right above the sea in seconds. In seconds, which it, wow. if it took five, if it took five seconds to go eighty thousand feet, then that is about just over ten thousand miles an hour. Yeah, and easy. you you cannot suddenly accelerate or stop to ten thousand miles an hour without crushing and liquefying the pilot from the g forces. Correct. So you have to understand with, te- with technology that we uh, you know understand with technology exactly. Yeah. <laughs> quantify with technology we understand and and this article is so detailed let me just go to your um skype and where's the little box on the side here or i can just send it in your facebook and then you can people need to read this thing in full because they really didn't do and neither did leslie keen do a good job for example later the company that makes the forward-looking infrared system, the FLIR cameras on the Navy uh, fighter jet, they said that, well, in this article was in Raytheon, I, I published it on my Facebook, that, you know, you need more confirmation than just the FLIR cameras. And, and, but when you, so therefore we don't know if it's really a UFO like the pilot believes. But when you read the article, it says that they, first of all, had been detecting these things for weeks and for about a week. And then they brought in several pilot crews. David Fravor and his partner were only one of them, one of the crews. And that they detected these things on radar. They had optical confirmation and the flare cameras. You can't get better confirmation than that. Yeah. From, yeah. from, and these no, are, no, brand you covered new, all the bases there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, and this is in the article. So I don't know how Leslie Keene failed to mention the triple confirmation of the UFOs and that there was a fleet of them. And then at one point, one of the pilots, I have the article right in front of me here. Um, and this was, he said, in the morning of November 14th, 2004, that's right when I was making my Dan Aykroyd UFO film. And in Southern California, Pat Uskert, I just met him and put him in my film. And he didn't know anybody at that time. And, and Uskert had filmed a good UFO right over um, Venice Beach, California. And we took stills out of the video 
And I wouldn't be surprised if they're all associated with each other. So um, it says right here, on the morning of November 14, 2004, Dave and his WSO launched into the queer blue Southern California sky about 100 miles southwest of San Diego. Their call sign was Fast Eagle 01. His wingman and WSO launched just after them. And it said... Um, the Nimitz Carrier Strike Group had been on station for a few weeks already, working to integrate the operations of the carrier with her pre, her various support ships, including the Ticonderoga-class guided missile cruiser. And then they go on to say here, what Dave didn't know was for the past several days, Princeton had been picking up some bizarre returns on their Death Star-worthy Spy-1 radar. So they had been picking up... For several days, and we don't know what several days means. I would love to interview this pilot. On several occasions beginning the 10th of November, the fire control officer and extremely experienced fire control senior chief had detected multiple returns, meaning radar, descending from above, from far above the radar scan volume somewhere higher than 80,000 feet. Now, now, first of all, you have to understand, temperatures, when I did high-altitude sky, skydiving training at Edwards Air Force Base, there there's two problems <coughs> with pilots getting up high. One is the temperature outside yep. is, like, right. minus 70, 80. Up, yeah, up that and even at, this is November, so I was skydiving at Davis, California, 30,000 mm-hmm. feet, and we were prepared for minus 70. So so that means on infrared cameras, everything is going to be gray and black unless there's heat there. Right. Right. So you have to understand that that's not mentioned well in the article. The temperatures outside and the pressure, of course, gets very low. Mm-hmm. So there's there's not a lot of pressure out there. So that means that, you know, there's no birds. There's no living thing. Even a balloon would likely... Um, you know, high altitude balloon would survive, but according to the pilot in the FLIR photography, <clears throat> the objects were going against 120 knot winds, and there there's a whole fleet of them, and then they suddenly, on one of the pieces of videos, just suddenly bolts and accelerates way away from them, like at lightning speed, and and we'll get into the physics, you know, in, in a few minutes uh, of what I believe they're using. So they, this is roughly, they say, always over the same spot. Longitude, latitude, 30 nautical miles off the coast of Baja, roughly 70 nautical miles southwest of Tijuana. So they're telling where this happened, right? So you can go on Google Earth, and which I did, and you can, you can estimate what they're saying. 70 nautical miles southwest of Tijuana, and then another 30 right. nautical yeah, miles off the coast. And there are anomalies under the ocean there. Now, this gets mind-blowing. I can't believe Leslie Keene missed this. But the pilots, there's two of them, and there were, there's another pilot crew that was chasing these things. But at one point, and I need to find it here. Okay. The, the other pilot. They were also attempting to hand off their AAV contact to the Air Wings E2C Hawkeye, also airborne at the time. So there are other... Other pilots in the air. It's not just David Fravor and, and, and the other pilot. There's, there's teams of them out there. And they're flying these, um, 
Super Hornets, which are about 60 feet long. Um, I think I researched their plane. The UFO they're claiming is 45 feet, which is, in the photograph in this article, is shaped like something aquatic. This UFO has what looks like a whale tail, a long midsection, ribbing and structure, definitely not a biological thing, but something that can survive in the water. It has the shape of a whale. Now, you know, gray whales might get 40 feet, just to give you give you a, a picture. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Watch this. Yeah, okay. That is interesting, yeah. <laughs> what Dave didn't know, okay, um, now we got to go further down. So we're in ba- we're off the coast of Baja. I'm giving you a really good picture of what this is the the original story, and it was written by another um, pilot. And it says right now, Princeton now wanted to wanted the E2 to guide the Super Hornets to an intercept with the AAV, which means the UFOs contact currently hovering over their favorite spot, but now twenty thousand feet over the ocean. Now. That's the moment the infrared cameras kick in. You can see on the data screen that they're at 20,000 feet on the infrared cameras. And the infrared camera seems to have two modes. One of them is arguably, it's infrared, but it's daylight mode. But I've gotten into some arguments with people who claim they know what that second mode is. But when you see the UFO in the footage that's been all over the world, there's no exhaust. You can see pictures in the infrared of what a fighter jet exhaust looks like. So that means there's no fuel, there's no propulsion, there's no ion nuclear propulsion. Um, and we can talk more about ion nuclear propulsion later. Radar, um, later. So it keeps going. Now, what's going to end up happening is he's going to he's going to see one that goes under the water. That, that's that's where we're coming. Mm-hmm. And as cheeks approach the spot. He was being vectored to. Princeton advised him to stay above 10,000 feet as the section of super fighter horns were approaching the target. Now, I want to point something out. Once you're above 15,000 feet as a pilot, you have to have your oxygen on. In fact, you're supposed to pre-breathe right. pure oxygen an hour before you go high altitude mm-hmm. to get all the nitrogen out of your system. And I did that before I jumped from 30,000 feet. Pilots don't have pressurized cabins because they're dropping altitude and gaining altitude so fast. They have to have a pressure suit on to hold the pressure to their body together, and they have to have their oxygen. And and that makes noise on the mask when you the air intake for the oxygen makes a little bit of noise. And John Lear complained that there would be no noise on the microphones. And and I I know from having my helmet on, my oxygen on, you can hear the air intake, and a good microphone is going to pick that up as a background Correct. noise. Right, yeah. yeah. And you're, and when you listen to somebody, the, you're going to have good insulation from the helmet, but when mm-hmm. you talk, the faceplate of, of your helmet is going to have way more noise than the ear. So when there's multiple people on the line, which there are in this case, you're going to hear some background noise. So so John is not correct there. John Lear is not It is not a silent Space. There, there's lots of air intake noise from your oxygen. Now, I know John has probably flown high altitude. I, I can't imagine. But it's different in a fighter pilot, in a fighter plane, than it is when you're flying a commercial jet, which is a pressurized cabin. And I know John Lear has flown a lot of pressurized cabin planes. 
And I know that he has flown a lot of planes below 15,000 feet where you don't need any oxygen. But once you're above 15 and these guys are at 20, you got your mask on. So, so I just wanted to clarify that. And then this is where it gets interesting. He says, as Cheeks approached the spot he was being vectored to, Princeton advised him to stay above 10,000 feet. Um, as the section of Super Hornets were approaching the target. His radar picked up the Fast Eagle 2 ship, but no other contacts. A moment later, Princeton directed him to skip it and return to the ship. He was so close to the UFO, he decided to fly over the action and sneak a peek. The sea was calm, almost glassy smooth, and it was late morning on a beautiful Southern California day. This is November Perfect conditions. As Cheeks flew <coughs> over the spot, he saw a disturbance on the surface of the ocean, a round section of turbulent water about 50 to 100 meters in diameter, so 300 feet approximately. It was the only area and type of what he called white water. So against the background of the glassy sea, you get this turbulent circle of water about 300 feet wide. Described that it looked as if there was something below the surface, like a shoal, and or what he'd heard a ship sinking rapidly would look like. Now, we know that the pilots described these things dropping from above 80,000 feet and stopping right above the water, on a dime, just boom. Okay, we, we have right. that testimony already. So, he overflew the disturbance and circled back in the direction of the Nimitz without ever seeing what caused the water to froth. As he turned away which happened to be the moment the Super Hornets converged on the location. The whitewater cleared, and the ocean surface returns to its smooth state, which means whatever it is, the UFO must have gone underwater, because it didn't go above the water, he would have seen it. So that means the thing went submerged. Now, And that's where you get into a whole a whole idea. you got to read Preston Bennett's California UFO history the, the Topanga UFO wave, which happened when I was living in Topanga, and I interviewed a um, college professor, a uh, witness to the Topanga UFOs. They they come out of the sea. Oh, definitely. You know, it's finally, David, they, they were leaning towards this kind of discussion because for a long time, um, you know, we've talked about on this show uh, about how, uh, you know, undersea objects are... You know, you know something that it's not looked at enough because, to, to be honest, that is the perfect spot for these things to hide out, to make bases, you know, to to be there, you know, undetected. In fact, uh, I would say, and I've talked to a lot of my friends within the uh, ufology community who are into the whole uh, hollow earth theory and things like that, that uh, th these could be beings that have been here, you know, millions of years within the earth, and now we're seeing them, you know, hop around and uh, they are coming outside of the earth, but they're you know these UFOs are our ancestors, basically. See, I think you're. I don't know if is, I'd use the word ancestors, but maybe precursors to us. Who knows it's what it's kind it's of about the same thing, though. It, yeah, but it's about the same thing. They were here before us. You know, we came in after. Uh, kind of an ancestorship. Go, uh, go ahead, David. No, no, I, I like. Uh, let's see. This is what it gets exciting is when you start looking at real data, like we're looking in this article. Then the mind goes, "Oh my God, the sea!" Of course. Yeah, if you read Robert, yeah. Robert Temple's book, The Serious Mystery, yes, yeah. he builds a strong case for the Syrians, <coughs> which is our one of our closest stars at 8.3 or 7 light years from Earth. And he says the Syrians are aquatic mermaid, merman-type beings, and he, 
he documents the the ancient um, fish god who teaches humans everything about math, astronomy, architecture, and is is one of the founders of the earliest civilizations we know of in Iraq. Is the fish god who goes by many different names. The Greeks called him A, and and the Babylonians, you know, had different names for the the fish gods, and that they <coughs> described him as by coming out talking our language, and he had feet, but yet he had a fish tail at the same time. It's all it's it's hard to say if his fish um, disguise is not some sort of a a um, technological. Um, addition attachment, to his body, yeah. like an attachment that allows humans to live under the water. Like I don't. Why would he have feet if he had a fishtail? Right. You know, and I wonder if this is where the lore yeah. uh, they they use to create a character like Aquaman or Namor for comics. Uh, if this is kind of where right. they came up with that, with that lore, because I mean, it sounds very much like a you know uh, an Aquaman type of character. Yeah, we're our planet is two thirds water. Now here's what's interesting right. for. For the underwater world is radar microwaves don't work underwater, and they they don't travel very far because of their wavelengths, and they so they use sonar and sonar, which uses transducers, which is like a vibrating sonic plate and a crystal to send really high pressure beams to detect um, other uh, vessels under the ocean. But you can't see very far with sonar. It's not like Radar, where you can see all the way up into space, and you can see something coming from hundreds of miles away. You can't do that in the ocean. Right. So you're really blind down there. I mean, the Navy guys know this, and they're even though they've improved sonar over the years, it's not like you know detecting planes in the air with radar, mm -hmm. because you have this problem of of your radar not working. So that really protects ETs living under the ocean and. There are so many stories of the submergible UFOs. You have uh, even Shag Harbor off the coast of um, Newfoundland, Canada in the 60s. You have, you know, I was on the plane with a young um, Navy guy. Um, he's a Hawaiian, big, huge Navy guy. And he described him and his dad seeing these balls of light coming out of the sky and going under the water. And their fishing boats at night would watch them glowing under the oceans, uh, you know, off the Hawaiian Islands. There's case after case after case of, of the submergible UFOs. And the fact that, you know, we're not talking to David Fravor here, we're talking to the other pilot in this in this article, and and he's the one who, who sees the disturbance on the water. We have previous <laughs> accounts of them dropping from 80,000 feet and stopping right above the water. And we have video of a sudden acceleration, and then, so we know that they were dealing with this for several days in the marine environment, 30 nautical miles off the coast of Baja. So these things are hanging around out in the water. And so that's the answer. The answer is, why did, did everybody in the disclosure story miss the data? Because this is the article, and this is where we get the the absolute confirmation on radar. Sometimes they could see them on radar. Sometimes they couldn't. Then the optical confirmation. Plus they had the the infrared cameras. And on the infrared cameras, right. you can see this kind of magnetic plasma like field, but there's no exhaust. And the it's not a reflection because it's not a spot point. 
of of uh, of a magnetic field that the infrared camera seems to be picking up and so we we really have you know something to sink our teeth into and i really think these pilots need once you read this article in full there's way more in this article than i can go into right now and but i can tell you yeah please post that to me i want to post that to our audience so they can also read along in there yeah, this is where the story comes from. This was posted, what's the post date on this article? Um, this was posted March 14th, 2015, so hmm. some years ago. It's been around that long. It, it, Leslie Keen just somehow got the New York Times to really go with this, and then they got the, you know, um, Bigelow's guys and his team um, to to come forward and say that it's all really real. So I don't even know why John... Lear would say it's all fake, it's all fake. I, I just don't get it. There's good data here. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand that either. That makes uh, absolutely Especially as, as open-minded as he likes to stay on things. Maybe yeah. there's more to the yeah. story and there's a reason he's not. Mm. Perhaps. There, Maybe. It, it's weird. I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it, it, is it's even, it is even possible that we're not looking at a real photograph of what they right. saw. It's possible the footage is mock-up because they don't want the public to see the real footage. That's possible. Mm. And maybe, although I can't see anything <coughs> in the footage, like if you go to the Mexican um, <coughs> flare photography incident of the UFOs in Mexico that I put in my Dan Aykroyd film, you know, it's there's nothing any different there. In fact, that's pretty noisy audio on that video as well. There's a lot of <coughs> background noise when the pilots are talking on the Mexican footage. So right. I think Lear is just, there's something going on with the guy. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's experienced. He said that people claim he's mentally ill. Um, I felt when I was with Perhaps. him on the air, when he was utterly paranoid about the black box on the dark side of the moon, um, he seemed like he was breaking like that. Mm. Something broke the guy down and he knows too much. I can, he's a brilliant guy. I love John. I, 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 you think you suspect me that there's a Paul Benowitz type of scenario happening here with, uh, with Paul. I mean, the Paul Benowitz story uh, is bananas. What happened in the eighties with him? Mm. Well, I think they, they, can from the same, beam, same they can beam your head with microwaves and heat up the brain, and they can cause a breakdown. There's no question that I Well, yeah, they, they can do that, but I remember that Paul Benowitz was, uh, he was fed so much information that he just, he couldn't take it. It was a like mental overload uh, from the stuff that he was being fed. Do you think that could be a, the, an issue, or maybe they just, they're really microwaving his brain? I mean, it, I, I think it's possible. <laughs> the information Lear has access to, also in Area 51, the tunnels in Vegas that connect yeah. to Area 51, he's been talking about, I think, yeah, that's a good, that's a great, you know, feasible idea of what could be happening. Like when you know it's real and it's not fiction, like some people read this stuff on the internet and they have their lives, they right. feel safe. They're like, this is entertaining. It could, it may or not be true. But when you right. know it's true and you absolutely know it's true, it's far more disturbing. Right. And, yeah, and that, it, 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 it's fun yeah. to watch the X Files, but when you actually become part of the X Files, that's a completely different animal. <laughs> oh yeah, it's and, and the you know this is another area where when you consider Hitler's vision 
uh, and the Nazi vision of the superhuman race, the super race, mm. and right. and only engineering and allowing a perfect race, an Aryan, what he called the perfect Aryan race to survive. I believe that that it's very possible a program exists in the CIA of engineering a perfect race of humans that could be living in tandem, what you call the breakaway civilization on the Earth, and they have bases, they have the anti-gravity technology, and they will eventually, when their population is big enough, they will strike when they are when when they're ready, and they'll get rid of the rest of us, and only the, what they call the super race will survive. And and don't think that idea died with Hitler, because there is some evidence of the idea of mixing the DNA of advanced star beings with humans mm-hmm. and creating creating what you call a super race of 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 maybe you know Hitler wanted all blonde hair, blue eyed, the perfect. Oh my animal. goodness. David, I was watching earlier tonight. This uh, it's funny that we're you know the show's about to end in a few minutes, by the way. But it's funny that we're almost ending on this topic because I was watching a video on the unmanlian of today's men and how they're trying to demen you know men in general, especially the white man. Uh, that you know they're you know they're completely trying to tear apart and uh, and almost make like a metrosexual feminized version of of what man should be and i'm talking about you know men as a male and female the male species mm-hmm. male and species how they're trying to make us more feminine or feminize us and uh this is something that's been going on now for like the last it's kind of like a counter uh counter um engineering of the of, of the male species and uh, I think that might have something to do with this as well. I mean, it, it all kind of, I think, will go hand in hand when you try to, like, terraform a planted species. Yeah, I, I believe, well, you have evidence. Fox News ran the story that they want to teach our children in school that all genders are completely normal so that maybe... Okay. I mean, I believe America needs to build up its population. We we don't even... In Canada, is nothing. Compared to Pakistan and mm-hmm. India and China, we need way more people. And we have tons of land. So the idea of reducing our population by giving us man-made flu viruses, they're going to kill 60,000 people this year on the flu. I mean, they're stupid. We, we need to be a stronger force. Not, But if they have these secret bases where they've engineered these superhumans, and once there's enough of them, the breakaway civilization takes over, they yeah. give the rest of us the virus, and they live on. I mean, that that's a that may explain a lot of the UFO activity we're seeing right there. Yeah. They're right on top of us, and some of them may have already adapted to live in the water. And they're not even from another star system. Or, like you said, that they've been living here for thousands of years. And I tend to believe that one more. Because we have the evidence from the ancient, you know, the ancient uh, Middle East of the fish gods and the sightings of the mermaids by the first, you know, people that crossed the Atlantic. There's huge reports from the the ship crews of the mermaids in in the Pacific and the Atlantic. So I tend to believe that they've been here a long time. They probably go back and forth between Sirius and Earth. And there may be a breakaway civilization that is trying something. Um, and I'm suspicious of a breakaway human. I'm also worried about this black box on the dark side of the moon because I know that most people will not do the work on themselves to have their true light body activated so that when they die, they're not trappable. 
you know, and and that disturbed Lear more than anything. I'll never forget that interview. It was at least at least seven years ago that interview. Wow! And so interesting. It, I mean, yeah. it, it, it said interviewed uh, on YouTube and all. Yeah, my my website davidsreda.net is. Yeah, you know, I have a course. We have our harmonic field generators. It's all about teaching you how to activate your light body and really get into a high-frequency state of being so that you're free of the matrix and you're free of the technology that can trap you. Yeah, I was, I was watching the video with, with the wand uh, they get, uh, for actual projection. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah, we put, the that, frequencies, yeah. we put the frequencies of different star systems in your body, and as long as NASA knows the radius of the star, which they know, you know, dozens and dozens of star systems, they know the radius of the star. You calculate the frequency, and because we dream at the frequency of Earth, in theta we dream, uh, which is the frequency of our own planet, if I put the frequency of a distant star into you, you can potentially, with training, um, have an experience with that star system. Now, I think all sentient beings dream, so they all dream at the frequency of their planet or star system. So you can communicate with them that way. And I also am opening up remote viewing via the frequency and the wavelength of the distant planet or target. And I've had a lot of success there. You know, it, 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 a question. Um, especially when, you, when we talk about, you know, we dream and uh, our dream cycle of, on a, the, whatever planet that we're on. Uh, for example, you mentioned something in one of the videos which kind of like intrigued the heck out of me. Uh, because I usually have random dreams that really mean nothing. Uh, can I tweak and teach myself how to like actually do this? Like, can anybody? Oh, uh, actually... oh, yeah. See, most, I'll tell you that I've been meditating for 40 years every day and I can go into these very high frequency, blissful, ecstatic states and have completely meaningless dreams. But it wasn't until I introduced perfect harmonic field generators mm. into my sleep space that I could target my dreams. And right. my dreams became much more meaningful and lucid and pure. And then when I would go another month and do no frequencies and meditate every day. And, and yes, even without tech, the technology and the harmonics, I could have the odd mystical experience. But when you understand the dimensions of a temple, like the Holy of Holies in Israel, is a wavelength and therefore a frequency, and the staff of Moses is an antenna whose height is equal to half a wavelength, you can calculate precise frequencies that can turn on your light body and open up a huge dreaming potential, which I've been able to do. My dreams, when I post them on Facebook, just part of them, People are, are, they just seem to go, how can I do that? How can I dream in those spaces? We all have it as a potential. The reason your dreams are meaningless is we're bombarding our electric field on the planet with all these microwave towers. It's destroying people's dreams. It's making it all mush. Just now, here's, a, here's a question I actually wrote down before the show uh, because I was watching some of these videos, uh, and I'm going to read a verbatim here. Something you said in one of your videos about the, how the astral travel while sleeping and how we dream on the Earth on the beta band. That's so the band. Is it beta band? Theta, theta. Uh, theta we dream theta in theta. theta. So theta, the Earth is, you know, seven and a half hertz at the equator. 7.83 is what Tesla right. measured. That's equal to the theta part of the brain, which is where now, we dream. Where the, where the question comes in is that uh, you say in the video that you, and you've said here that you were able to communicate with Jesus and Tesla, 
um, in, in, in part of the dream. Now, could anybody achieve that kind of level of, uh, of consciousness? Well, when I, when I met Christ in person blazing like a thousand of our sons, I wasn't using anything but meditation okay. for years and years. But when, when, um, <clears throat> I started developing my technology, um, and I started with Pleiades, I met them right away. And, oh, and wow. it was an ongoing series of encounters, and I had them right in front of me with my eyes open. And, and this is holographic. So mm. this is a potential for us. Like once we get to the holographic level, you make a holographic recording, and you give a message, and you send it out faster than light through quantum tunneling technology to another star system, they can see you as a hologram, but you didn't physically have to go there. Wow. And so that is the safest way for and when you get really advanced holograms that's the, the hol- that's the that's the ending of the last jedi are you kidding me that's amazing No uh, way cuz I never even saw it yet oh my <laughs> God. I, I haven't even seen it and you're telling no, me no. that's it other guy, so we're going to get I, to that point I, I, I'm staying out of this You know you know hologram it is amazing go ahead See your light body can have copies of itself exploring other planets. That's what Bodhisattvas do. They make multiple Uh copies of their own body, and they can appear all over the universe, and the central Bodhisattva knows what all ten of their fingers are doing at the same time. So I'm not talking just about a visual hologram. That would be very amateur. For us to send a visual hologram so that somebody can see a human on another planet without sending a spaceship there, but I'm talking about a hologram that you can see through with these eyes here on Earth, and then your hologram is on the moon, and you're looking around on the moon. And and that is going to be possible once you understand what the human... Like at Dartmouth College, they they map the, the magnetic field of the human nervous system, heart, and the body, and, and they manipulated the brain by stimulating different sectors of the brain with different ma- magnets. So it means that we will eventually understand that the electric human, which overlays the physical human, which is your astral self, you can use technology. It's the same way two radios work. So any two crystal oscillators at the same frequency open up radio communication. That's how it works. So if I send a hologram of me and send it to Mars, and it's vibrating at the same frequency as me here, through my consciousness, I will be able to see and feel through the eyes of that hologram. But if someone runs into my hologram on Mars, they, they'll know it isn't solid. Now, when I met right. the Palladians, when I had the Palladians right in front of me, my wife and I both woke up the same second, like an electric shock hit our bodies. We're both looking at them at the exact same second. Wow. And they were holographic. They were blue, glowing, light form bodies, <clears throat> and there were like six of them looking at us. And I and I could put my hands through them, but they're they're not solid, but they're there. See, they that's the safest way for us to explore another world, and it doesn't involve sending a spaceship with a ton of right. fuel. And then, then once you know it's safe, then you go, okay, now I'm going to send my physical self there, and that's that's the next step. Right. No, that that makes perfect sense. It's, especially if you can prove that it's an accurate, uh, you know, trip that you're taking, astral projection wise. That you know you really are seeing what you're seeing. It's not just 
your mind playing a trick on you. Which, by the way, we, we've gone over and it's... I know, I know. Seeing through. I just want to say one thing. One of the things the Palladians told me is they don't dream like us. We dream mm-hmm. unconscious. Most of us are completely unconscious dreamers. And, and yeah. I can teach people how to consciously dream so you're not just knocking out because you're exhausted and dreaming random, meaningless stuff and waking up and going, I don't even want to know what I just dreamt. You can use your intelligence to take advantage of your electric body so that you can you can learn you know, what's going on around you. So that, this is, oh, a, this is the next level. This is the next level for humans. We're not... We're we're not awake yet. Yeah, no, we're gonna have it. to have you on again. Uh, yeah, dude, you are out. the last. You are the last Jedi, my friend. Let me tell you. Oh my god, I gotta see it. I mean, I've got two little girls, so I never made it to the theater. My, now you're getting. Yeah, I have no idea. Here's the thing, and, and I've said this for years. Uh, Lucasfilms, the people involved making the Star Wars franchise, uh, even the Star Trek franchise. These guys are in tune with something else, something deeper than just filmmaking. And uh, when you see stuff like that in theaters, and you're like, you know, this is a representation of the Force and an ability that they have within the Force. And then I see, and I hear your video, which is a video that came out way before this movie came out, and I see you making connections as to uh, the Force and Star Wars in one of your videos, and you make that kind of like a, like a kind of connection with now the astral projection being pretty much what we see in that movie. Uh, to me, it, it solidifies the fact that I think Hollywood is indoctrinating us, telling us bits and pieces of what really is out there. And in other words, the Force is real. And it I is. I believe in the Force, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> Next David, time we'll talk about the experiences and what people can do. That would be real exciting. I, I you know, I didn't, a lot of... I didn't even get to ask you about ayahuasca and DMT and what your thoughts are on, on that, for example. You don't, you don't need any of those things because <clears throat> all those... See, my brain right now... I mean, I know this is hard for people to understand. I meditate every day, and my physical brain produces so much ecstasy, sometimes I, I can mm-hmm. barely move. And there's that much ecstasy in the natural brain if you know how to open it up. So you don't need to take those things that just over-adrenalize your system and then you crash and then you can't do that every day. But I can go into this super state almost every day now. I'm 56 years old, 57 this year, and I've been doing this my, you know, for 40 years. So I can't tell you you're going to be an expert right away, but it's the best thing to apply your, your spare time to is learning how to tune your nervous system and how to deepen your own experience. All brains can produce huge amounts of natural ecstasy. Mm-hmm. They can all do it. And and those those kind of experiences from the DMT molecule and, and those things, and I've had great conversations with my dad about this. You should have my dad on about that because he's a 1960s PhD from Berkeley who's done everything there is and then hung out with all the gurus from India and, and done all those different plants when he was younger. <laughs> and he'll tell you the same thing. The meditation is way better. You actually will get way more quality, pure ecstasy through meditation than any of those things. I, I, definitely, I definitely believe it. David, uh, we have to let right. you go. Uh, we, man, this has been so much fun having you on. Thank you so much for being with us, and we definitely have to have you back on very, very soon so we, we can you know, continue this because it's just been a blast. Yeah, I'm going to get a lot of emails and questions after this. Oh, uh, my goodness. This 
Thank you all for listening in. Thank Jesse uh, for being here on the uh, first hour and talking uh, to us about you know the the uh, the Bushman uh, files and uh, you know just uh, you know Jesse always brings it good every week. Uh, we'll be back next week with another fascinating episode right here on Sky Watchers Radio. Guys, stick around. We have uh, Doctor J coming up next on uh, on PSN Radio, so stick around for that. It's been a blast. He's always fun, and uh, like I always say at the end of the show, guys. Keep looking up to the skies because one day you will see something guaranteed. Skywatchers Radio out. <laughs>